Amen. What a great song. What a great message. Let's look at Numbers chapter uh, 13. Numbers chapter 13. I want to share a message entitled, We Are Able Versus We Are Not Able, out of uh, Numbers chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, 26. Just a couple of announcements. You'll find out on the foyer counter out there a, uh, a nomination for deacons. We're at that time of the year getting ready for the new year. Need to appoint some new deacons. And so if you have someone in mind, just be praying about that. Uh, the qualifications are listed and uh, make sure you just make it an anonymous type of nomination, all right? So don't go around telling the person that you're doing it. We may not approve him, and that would uh, certainly be a means of discouragement. So pray about it. Allow the Lord impress on your heart who you would think would be qualified to be a deacon in the church and get that turned into uh, one of the deacons or myself or one of the pastoral staff and we certainly will take that under consideration. Also, uh, remember today at 5.30, we have our discussion panel. Uh, that will be live stream also in person, and then uh, 6 o'clock evening service tonight. Now, we had a great time with Dr. Shoemaker last week, and we're just excited about what God's going to continue to do uh, through us and in our midst. And so we want to challenge you to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, after the service today, uh, we're going to be having some coffee and cookies and pie, whatever, outside there. We have a fire pit. If it's a little cool for you, you can stand around that and get warm. And uh, we want you to just have some fellowship together. Appreciate you being here. And so when we're dismissed, you're going that way, not the other way. I know that just puts a, a, a crank in our chain, but uh, we will be able to handle it, I think. Amen. All right, let's look at Numbers chapter 13 and verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation uh, of the children of Israel uh, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan." And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, uh, which, came, which come of the giants, and we were in our sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. We had a great uh, week last week with Dr. Shoemaker and just the Spirit of God uh, seemed just to move and, and speak to our hearts and we rejoice in what you did last week, but now we're ready to hear something from you this week. And God, we're thankful that we've been able to celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, Lord, being able to rejoice in the many, many ways that you have blessed us. Uh, but God, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to get on with the business of God and get on with the living our Christian life and get on with just dealing with issues and difficulties that we face every day in this world. And so God, I pray that you might bless the preaching of the word of God this morning. Uh, there may be someone here in this place that's not saved or someone watching by live stream that's never trusted Christ as their savior. Uh, we pray for them. Uh, we pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit will uh, turn them to Christ, uh, bring a spirit of repentance in their hearts, and Lord, they might be gloriously born again by the grace of God. And so work your will and your way in each of our lives this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We are able versus we are not able. Our text verses, verse 30 and 31, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger, uh, they are stronger than we. And so are we able or are we not able? Uh, that is always the struggle and always the trial that we have to try to get over. Uh, what a great uh, divide between the people of Israel as they spy out the land that God had promised that he would give to them. And he brings them to that point to be able to uh, survey the land and be able to decide to go in and take the possession of God. Every one of this and every one of these people that are there present had been able to see the plagues that God brought on the people of Egypt uh, because of the suffering and because of the bondage that they brought on the people of God. Every one of them that were there had witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, I cannot even imagine someone not believing God can do what he's promised he would do after seeing such a miraculous thing take place as the departing and dividing of the Red Sea. They were all amazed at the destruction of Pharaoh's army and uh, seeing how they had no weaponry, they had no power, no resources, no ability to be able to fight against the armies of Pharaoh. But God, in his strength and in his might and according to his will, was able to destroy the power and the might of the army of Pharaoh. Now they're ready to go in and possess the land. Because that's a land that God said would flow with milk and honey. A land that they saw literally the evidences of the flowing of milk and honey. However, uh, they're torn between uh, their decisions and their desires to go in. The part of the people felt that they could take the land. And then there's others that feel that they cannot take the land. And so... Uh, there's a couple of things here as they get ready, uh, comparisons or the divide that is going on. First of all, notice that there's two different visions. In verse 27, it says, They told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. The problem is there was the group that uh, confirmed the fact that the land was as God had declared it to be, but there was a part of them that even though they saw the fruit and saw the blessings in, Can in, uh, in the promised land, uh, they still could not see themselves possessing the land that God had promised them. And when we live our Christian life, we live in the world that we live in, uh, there is constantly two different visions. What vision do you have for your family? What vision do you have for your children? What vision do you have for this church? What vision do we have for our country and our nation? It is amazing to see how quickly there is a divide when it comes to a vision of what we believe God can and will do with us. Notice in verse 28, there were two different reports. In verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities were, are walled. And very great, moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and two different reports coming back. One report saying, well, yes, I saw those cities that were walled, and yes, I saw the children of Anak there, and yes, I saw they were great and strong and mighty, but I believe that we can take the land. I believe we can get, take what God promised to give us, but yet there was the reports that we cannot take it. How, how a spirit of pessimism and negativism can overcome us and defeat us in our Christian life, and certainly when it comes to Christian ministries. There are two different recommendations there, because in verse 30 and 31, which are our text verse, the one recommendation was, let's go in and take it. The other recommendation was, no, let's not go in because we can't take it. And uh, oftentimes what we do, we're ready to move ahead, ready to experience something positive from God, and then all of a sudden here comes a recommendation. I don't think we should do that. That costs too much money. 
I don't think we should do that. Somebody will get upset and get mad about that. I know God promised, but wait a minute. Uh, we just cannot expose ourselves to difficulties and problems that we do not see our abilities where we can overcome them so that we receive two different recommendations. It's amazing to me how two people can look at the same situation and come away with a set different conclusions about what is going on. So there is different re uh, recommendations. Notice there was two different outcomes. As we read through chapter 13 and chapter 14, certainly we'll see that those that believed God uh, would go into the promised land and possess it. Those who despised the report and despised the promise of God will end up losing their life in the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so two different outcomes. And may I say this, your vision your understanding, your res resolution, your commitment to what God says he can and will do in our lives will literally, uh, the outcome literally depends upon what your decision is in reference to what God has said. And certainly we as a nation, as a people, we as a church, certainly we as Christians, everything depends on whether we can trust God or believe God or not. And so we see these two different concepts of what's going on. I read an article. I didn't put this one on the, on the screen for you, but the next one I will. I read an article entitled, Polarization in America, Two Possible Futures. And you're, you do understand that this world has been polarized ever since the beginning of time. Uh, when, and when, when Satan said, I will be like God and God cast him out, there was polarization in heaven. And uh, certainly we know in the garden, Adam and Eve, when they decided to disobey God's command, there was a polarization that was experienced. But anyway, this, uh, this article says, polarization in America, two possible futures. It says this, as polarization has risen, so have Americans' worries. 90% believe their country is divided over politics, and 60% feel pessimistic about their country overcoming these divisions to solve its biggest problems. What does the future hold? We argue that as in current level, polarization threatens the stability of American democracy. And certainly, whenever you have a, a polarized society, it does put us in danger of being able to accomplish the things that we may desire to do. But certainly, as a Christian, we certainly know that, yes, there is a polarization between good and evil. And the Christian is not just to compromise their life and their testimony to get along with evil. The Christian is to take a stand and believe that God can move and bless in spite of the opposition and in spite of the situations that we have to deal with. And so here's a follow-up article on that. What is the true cost of polarization in America? In other words, what is the effect of polarization in America? And here's a few thoughts that they had jotted down. First of all, segregation that makes us more likely to demonize each other. As more and more people live alongside people who hold similar political beliefs to them. Uh, you know, polarization causes us to segregate and gather up with people that agree with us. We're living in a culture today that literally, if you uh, uh, disagree with somebody, uh, boy, I tell you, they come after you. They're aggressive. You got to shut up, and you cannot share what you believe, and you can't believe what you believe. Uh, it's no difference in Numbers chapter thirteen and verse thirty-three tells us here that, and there, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which uh, come of the giants, and we were in our sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. There was a polarization that took place with the children of Israel. Uh, they saw the children of Anak, they saw these giants in the land, and they saw them as simply the opposition rather than something they could overcome. 
They saw them, and in a, listen, their view of them caused them to have the wrong view of themselves. And as they had the wrong view of themselves, they were unwilling to go in and take the possession that God had for them in the promised land. So segregation causes us to demonize one another. You know, you can disagree with somebody without being hateful towards them. And uh, we, we live in a world and a society just because I don't agree with you, I have the right to demoralize you and defame you and discredit you. Uh, here's, on, here's another thing that I found as they stated the cost of polarization in America. Culture is more and more antagonistic. 1960 presidential campaign only... About 10% of the political advertisements were aired, that were aired were negative. Only about 10% in 1960. By 2012, about 86% of the uh, advertisements or political ads were negative. And mass, that's in 2012. It has gotten worse in 2020. Uh, the, the unkind, the attacks, the unrealistic uh, uh, responses to about people, the personal attacks on the individual, the attacks on their family, attacks on those who support them, whatever it may be, has become so aggressive and is because of the polarization that's going on in America. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1 and 2, we see Israel had the same problem and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that he had died we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God, we had died in this wilderness. And so they literally are crying out in disdain for the leaders that God had placed over them. And the more polarized politically we get, the more aggressive culturally we get in trying to destroy those that don't agree with us. It goes on. Don't worry, there's only a couple of these. Uh, and you're saying, I'm, I'm bored with this already. Don't worry, when I get done this, I'm going to start preaching. It says, uh, because of polarizations, we loathe members of other political parties. In 2016, Pew polling found that 47% of Republicans said Democrats are uh, more immoral than other Americans, and 35% Democrats held the view, the same view of Republicans. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 3, it says, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us up unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be prey? And were, were it better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one towards another, Let us make a captain. And let us return unto Egypt. And so, so the loathing that they had for each other, those that said, we're able to go in and take the land. Those who said, we're not able to go in the, to take the land, loathe one another. They despised each other. Notice our families, there's another thing that happens. Our families are being undermined. A recent study found that Thanksgiving dinners were significantly shorter in areas where Americans share meals across party lines. I thought that was interesting. You know how it is. They say you don't talk religion and politics, amen? I'm glad I don't talk religion. I talk relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the politics, you can hold what politics that you want. The re reality is you're entitled to be wrong, amen? <laughs> but it's tearing our families apart. It's tearing our nation apart. And it's because of the fact that we have turned our back on the promises of God. We have turned and walked away from what God has commanded us to do and what he's commanded us to be. Here's another thought they said it costs. An increasing number of Americans now say it's stressful and frustrating. I said amen when I read that. Stressful and frustrating to talk about politics with people they disagree. It is frustrating because of the fact that people don't want a discussion 
they just want to condemn and attack to try to get their point across. Don't Listen, as Christians, we should not be like that. Uh, we should believe God. We should respond to God's leading in our life and have faith to know that whatever God commands us to do, we are able to do it, even though there are those that say we are not able to do it. And here's the last one. Gridlock is damaging our governmental institutions. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 33, it says, And their children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear are your whoredoms uh, until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. You think of this, the outcome of not believing God, refusing to say, yes, we're going, God commanded us to go. God promised that we would go. God said that we could go in there. We're going to polarize against you. We're going to despise you because you say we can go. And I'm telling you that we can't go. For 40 years, they did nothing but survive. For 40 years they wandered in the wilderness before they enjoyed the blessings of God. And you look at it at, politically, you look at our government situation, our legislatures, whatever it may be, and they sit there year after year after year after year and do nothing. Why is it? Because they are polarized around their petty preferences and personal beliefs rather than trusting that God has a plan and a purpose for mankind. And we're to surrender and believe God that there is a better way to live our lives and a better way to accomplish God's will in our life, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Are we able? Yes, we're able. But there's those that say we're not able. There are those that say because of 2020 and COVID-19 that the church will not be as it was before. I'm here to tell you it will be. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is still on the throne of heaven. He's still in control of everything. And bless God, it doesn't take a pandemic to destroy the church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm afraid we are falling into the crowd to say, we're not able. I can't go to church. I might get COVID. I can't go out soul winning. I might get COVID. I can't, I can't read my Bible. I can't live for Jesus Christ. I can't serve one another. We need to stop saying I can and say I can do whatever God's called me to do. We are able versus we're not able. I'm afraid that we are not able are starting to outnumber the ones that say we are able. May God help us. Well, let's look what went on in the life of the children of Israel. First of all, they needed to follow God's commands. Needed to follow God's command. God had commanded them to go to the land of, of Canaan. God had promised them and revealed to them that he had a place for them to dwell. And all they had to do was follow the command of God. God miraculously took them out of bondage in Egypt and placed them literally at the doorway to his blessings. And they just wouldn't follow God's command. Well, well, think of this. The commands of God provides life for us. Look over at John chapter 6, and we'll be coming back here. But in John chapter 6, as Jesus would feed the 5,000, and, uh, and after he would feed the 5,000, he would have this conversation with his disciples uh, because many of them, after they ate and after their bellies were full, turned and went away and left Christ. But in John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus is confronting his disciples about their response. And uh, ch uh, chapter 6 and verse 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. That's an important statement because he just fed 5,000 men plus women and children to give them physical food to sustain their life. And he's communicating to his disciples that, wait a minute, that is not what life is. Life is more than that, uh, and it's the commands of God it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
And so God had spoken words of encouragement, spoken words of commands, spoken words of instruction to the children of Israel to go to Canaan land, and they rejected it, they refused to believe it, and as a result of it, they would die in the wilderness. And listen, we must turn to the word of God, we must turn to the words of Christ and believe that what he has so stated uh, does work in our life. It does, listen, it doesn't matter what president is in the White House. God's word still stands true and God's word still breathes life to us. Our life is not from the political machine in America. Our life is from the words of Christ. Over in Psalm 19, Psalm 19 and verse 7, Psalm 19 and 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Saints of God, let's remind ourselves, it is the word of God that converts our soul. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, we need life that is based upon what God has said. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What am I saying? I'm saying this. It doesn't matter what political season we are in. It doesn't matter what health situation we are facing. It does not matter what financial conditions you have in your life. What matters in our life is to know that when we follow what God has said, we experience new life in Christ. The children of Israel were facing life and death and they chose death over life because they refused to adhere to what God had said. So follow God's command. Why? Because it provides life. It, provi it proves love. Uh, Jesus had said in John chapter 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, a lot of people talk about loving the Lord, but they don't obey what God says. And uh, certainly following God's commands enables us to be able to uh, prove our love that we have for Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, as you continue on through down to verse 21, says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Oftentimes people say, well, I just, don't, I just don't know what the Lord's doing. I don't understand what the world, Lord wants me to understand. Well, I can tell you this. When you keep his commandments, he reveals himself to us. Verse 22 of John 14 says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? I think that's a legitimate question. I think that's a question that needs to be answered. You say you're manifesting yourself to us. How are you going to manifest yourself to us? The crowd in numbers that said we're not able to take the land was not understanding the ability to God to manifest himself to them even though he had brought plagues on Egypt, even though he had set them free. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the Father which sent me. And so Jesus reminds them that, listen, following my commands is proof that you love me. And so we need to follow, Israel needed to follow the commands of God to show their love for the Lord. For 430 years, they cried unto God to deliver them. And God comes and delivers them, and they just, they literally could not obey his commands he gave them. And they wander in the wilderness. Not only that, but it promises, I'm sorry, promotes loyalty. Following God's command promotes loyalty. 
in uh, Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against God. And so promotes loyalty. Uh, Psalm 40 and verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy, thy law is within my heart. Promotes loyalty. Our number one loyalty as a Christian is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not anyone else. It's not any other situation, not any other organization. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the master. He is the boss. He is the shepherd of our soul. And we demonstrate that uh, position in that relationship by following God's commands. And you know, those who followed God's command in numbers uh, literally were those that lived through the wilderness. And those that refused to follow are those that died in the wilderness. But may I say this, those who lived and those who died experienced the same situations. Amen. Those who lived and those who died went through the same struggles. Those who lived and those who died uh, were not removed from the trials and the difficulties that they had to go through. The sad thing is sometimes we act like just because we're a Christian we're not going to go through trials. We're never going to get sick, we're never going to have problems, never going to have difficulties. No, the difference is when you trust God's commands and you follow what he has so stated, not only do you have life, not only do you enjoy his love, but you show forth your loyalty to him and he gets you through to the other side. So when they came out and Jacob and Caleb said, we are able People should have said, let's go. Amen. When the crowd came along and said, we're not able, they should have right away warned and said, well, here's the problems that you're going to face. We need to obey and follow the commands of God. Number two, they needed to believe the promise of God. The promise of God. You know, God's made great and precious promises. Peter tells us that. The great and precious promises that God has given us. And I just thought of the greatest promise God's given us is the blood atonement. Amen. The children of Israel experienced the blood atonement because of the fact that blood had, the lamb had to be slain, the blood had to be spilled, and the blood had to be put on the doorpost. And so whatever, wherever that blood was placed, uh, death passed by that household. God promised that. Well, if God promised to do that and he did that in Egypt, then why can't he take care of them going through our course of life? And blood of atonement. I just thought about this. It delivered. The children of Israel were delivered by that blood atonement. And you and I are, listen, are saved. We're born again. We are delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12 says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land. And he says, both man and beast against all gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the Lord shall be to you for, I'm sorry, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I think it's interesting that it says, the blood shall be a token upon the houses where ye are. God can deliver you right where you are. And uh, oftentimes we just think, well, God can't set me free. Oh, yes, he can. He can deliver you. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what bondage you're facing today, but I know this, that there is a God in heaven who sent his son into this world to shed his blood so that he might deliver you from those bondages. It was the blood that was shed and put on the doorpost that brought deliverance to the children of Israel. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us deliverance today. I see not only were they delivered, but I see the blood of atonement was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That, that was a type of blood that was shed of that lamb in the Old Testament, but it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, and I put these on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. People say, well, God won't listen to me. Oh, yes, he will. You need to believe the promise of God. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. 
And so literally we have the boldness to come into the presence of God because we believe what God has promised. They should have had the boldness to go into the promised land because it was a promise from God Almighty. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. I'm thankful this morning that the blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from all sins, what releases us from our sin. I'm thankful there is no sin that is big enough and strong enough and uh, more uh, overcoming in your life than what Jesus Christ can do through his shed blood. And you can be gloriously saved. You're watching by live stream. I want you to know it's the blood of Jesus Christ that sets you free. It's not your good works, it's not your money, it's not your religion, it's not your church, it's not your political position. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the promise of God, we need to believe in the promise of God. It was delivered, uh, the blood atonement was delivered through the lamb that was slain. It was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and it needs to be applied in our personal life. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, I'll read these for you. For, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from, all, from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I say amen to that. All we have to do is believe the promises of God. I believe that the Lord is with me this morning. I believe I don't, whatever happens politically in our country, he is still on the throne, he's still in the control, and he's not caught off guard. He knows where I am, he knows what I need, and he knows what he wants to do in my life, and I can trust him and believe him in spite of that. I'm grabbing a hold of a promise from God this morning and holding on to it until it comes to pass. You know, Elijah came to the people and said, how long hold you between two opinions? The children of Israel had a problem constantly of fighting between two opinions. They were constantly polarized about who God was, polarized about what God's will was, polarized about Jesus Christ. They were constantly like that. And the sad thing is, in 2020, we have become so polarized, we can't believe that God can do what he promised he would do. So we see they followed God's, they needed to follow God's command, they needed to believe God's promise, and then I see they needed to reap God's blessing. Uh, God's blessing is a great salvation. Hebrews 2, 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Amen. There's nothing better and greater than to get saved. I'm going to tell you, I've never got over. I got saved. I got saved. I got a good, a good dosage of it. Amen. God saved me. My life hasn't been the same since. There is nothing in this world that is more precious to me than my salvation. Why? Because I was delivered from bondage. The children of Israel were delivered out of bondage. I was delivered out of bondage. You can be delivered out of bondage. Uh, what, whatever is holding you up, whatever is tying you up, whatever is destroying your life, you do not have to succumb to it uh, because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. They were delivered from bondage. They were delivered from wandering. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And I, I, just, I just think of my life for 27 years, I wandered in my life. I didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was going to accomplish, uh, you know, I didn't know uh, what I desired. I didn't know what my life was going to be. I, I mean, I was just wondering. They used to, when they saw me, they would always used to say, Mike, which way is the wind blowing today? Because I'll tell you what, whichever way the wind was blowing, that's where I was going. And just wondering and wondering. But when God saved me, he delivered me from wondering. 
He gave purpose in my heart. He gave direction in my soul. He gave me faith to believe. And he directed and led me down the paths of righteousness and put my life in order. And I want you to know it's a great salvation because we're released from the bondage of God and our feet are put on the path that God wants us to go down. And so we have this wonderful deliverance. Not only that, but he delivered from giants. There's a lot of giants in our lives. Uh, God, can, Listen, God is bigger than them all. I don't care how big somebody thinks they are. They Listen, all God has to do is stop the lungs from pumping oxygen and you're gone. God can make a tree fall on you on your way home today. There's giants in the land. There's opposition in the land. There's things we have to overcome in the land. But wait a minute, I still believe we we're able. I see a great salvation. I see an enduring sanctification. The initial experience is simply God reaching out to us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The initial experience of sanctification is God giving to us and reaching out to us and showing us what his love uh, really is. And, uh, you know, Romans 5 says, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners... We were against God. Listen, I was the enemy of God. I was a wicked person. I lived my life to satisfy the lust of the flesh. And I lived my life without any concern or knowledge or understanding or desire to know who God was. But God loved me that way. That's how God loves you. And he loved the children of Israel that way. And so the enduring sanctification of God is initially experienced and personally, endurance. Matthew 24, 13 says, But he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Amen. Now, I don't believe he's talking about a work salvation there. But I know this. I don't have to work my way to heaven. But I know this. If I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I'm working my way on this earth. Right. He that endures to the end shall be saved. So a great salvation, enduring sanctification, and then assured provision. God was going to send them into the promised land. He had promised them for them to reap the blessing. They had to go into the promised land. And, uh, and oftentimes we don't follow the leading of God. We don't believe the promises of God. Consequentially, then we refuse to experience reaping the blessings of God. Assured provision, a progressive move of God. God is progressive in moving in your life to provide for you. Revelation 7, 17, I'll just read this for you. The lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The progressive move of God, you understand, is a past reality. In other words, God did it in the past. It is also a present experience. That means he's doing it right now in your life. And it is a future hope. And the children of Israel, God had in a past experience delivered them out of the bondage in Egypt. And in a present opportunity, he was guiding and directing them, showing them what they can enjoy if they go into the promised land. But the reality is their future hope was dashed because they succumbed to the pessimism of the one who says, we're not evil. My goodness gracious. Assured provision by a progressive move of God and by a possessive provision of God. Philippians 4.13, still in the Bible, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It did not, does not say God will supply all your needs according to your financial understanding and investments. 
It did not say, it does not say, God will provide for the needs of the church as long as the government gives us tax exemption and the government allows us to gather in worship and we get permission from the government to be able to gather together. It doesn't say that. Amen. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs. That's everyone. What need do you have this morning? You say, well, you just don't understand my need. No, you don't understand the God who can supply for all of your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. How? According to his riches in glory. Through who? By Christ Jesus. I think we need a reality check and reaping blessings of God. Here's, here's some thoughts on that. The children of Israel, they came out of bondage in Egypt. God showed them what the land has to, uh, uh, to uh, offer. Deuteronomy chapter 1 says that it's an 11-day journey from Kadesh Barnea to uh, the promised land. 11-day journey that equated and turned into a 40-year journey. During that time, God took care of them. The daily supplies of the children of Israel would be supplied by God. He would be supplying in roughly about three to three and a half million people came out of Egypt. Three to three and a half million people came out of Egypt. What would that deal with in reference to food? According to the quartermaster general in the army, as far as setting up and supplying troops as they move, they came to this evaluation and conclusion. Moses would have to have 1,500 tons of food every day, which would equal two freight trains, each a mile long, in order to feed the people of Israel for one day. For one day. That's food. Then you talk about cooking. you got to cook the food. They estimate that it would take 4,000 tons of wood, which would equal a few more freight trains at a mile long, to be able to provide the wood for the cooking of the food that needed to be provided for miraculously. Then you not only think of the food and the cooking, but you have to think of the water. Because the water, the average temperature in the desert is 108 degrees. They say that the uh, average person in those types of conditions needs to drink about 20 quarts of water a day. Based on those statistics, they would need about 11 million gallons of water each day to drink, to wash themselves, to clean their dishes, etc. This would be equivalent to a freight train of tank cars, 1,800 miles long, just to bring water. Uh, you do understand from here to Jacksonville, Florida, is about a thousand miles. Give put some relative reality of what we're talking about. What about space? The children of Israel crossed the Red Sea in one night. The Bible says, and I believe it. If they went across the Red Sea, and a narrow part of a double file, the line of people going across the Red Sea would be 800 miles long. It would take them 35 days to get through across the Red Sea. However, if the Red Sea was three miles wide, then they could get across in one night. So we often see, you know, I like watching the uh, Ten Commandments, watching Moses. I like when the Red Sea parts, amen. My wife and I have all kinds of uh, phrases that they say, memorize, I watch it so much, amen. But anyway, that just when that thing parts, and, and we just kind of get this mindset like it's this little narrow path going across the Red Sea. It had to be spread out three miles wide. In order for all the three million people to get across in one night. And yet they're squabbling over and they're arguing over and they're polarized over is God going to be able to meet my needs when I see 
the giants in the land. Well, I have to say he can, amen. amen. And, and, and it doesn't matter how polarized America becomes. It doesn't matter how polarized society becomes. It doesn't ha matter how much people despise God. He's still God. He's still in control. If he did that for Israel, then he can do it for me. What red, what, listen, what red Sea do you need split this morning? What, 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 what provision, what food do you need this morning? What, mean, what means do you need God to intervene in your life? Don't, don't become pessimistic. Don't be so, they, they're, they're saying the stress and the difficulties and the discouragement and all this about COVID-19. Listen, COVID-19 has not defeated us. COVID-19, if it kills me, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I don't choose to go that way, but I know this. That's the way. I, it can't stop me from going to heaven. Listen, if I need God to touch me and heal me, I believe that God can heal me. If that person you think, that person you think God can't save, I'm telling you right now, if you have faith to believe, they'll fall on their knees and cry out to God for his forgiveness. I'm believing God that this church will grow and grow and grow. And I'm talking about getting stirred up for God. And I mean moved by God as Holy Spirit. I'm talking about not a spirit of laziness and sleepiness, but I'm talking about waking up in God. Amen. Amen. We are able versus we are not able. I want to make it clear on which side I'm on. I believe we're able. I've seen God do things that are inexplainable in my life and my ministry and other people's lives. And I know this, he's able. We often sing that song, he's able, he's able. I know he is able. Well, then let's start living like he's able, amen? And allow God to lift us up. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you. All we can do is say thank you for the way that you move in our life. It's alarming statistics as we look at trends in the world, but yet they become nothing but specks on the paper when we look at the promises of God. I'm thankful, Lord, for a new life that we have in Christ. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can experience an anointing, a move of God uh, that shows his grace, his mercy, his power being released in us. And I pray, God, you would help us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing one song. With